Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. We have been in a series entitled The Answer. We're going week by week, chapter by chapter through the book of 1 Corinthians. And the reason that we're doing this is we have identified that the culture in Corinth is very similar to the culture that we find in San Francisco. And so as the Apostle Paul is uh, exhorting and encouraging and correcting the church in Corinth, the same answer that he gives to them will provide solutions for us as we navigate how to do church in a city like San Francisco. And if you have missed any of the past weeks, let me implore you for just a moment, whether you were on vacation or you were sick, please go back and and check out the weeks that you missed because I truly believe that this series is timely, specifically that God is using this series to really prepare our church for where he's taking us. And here's the deal. I, I don't want you to miss out on that. I want you to be prepared. So go to the podcast, go to the YouTube, do what you have to do to find that content. I believe it's gonna benefit you and subsequently benefit our church. But we are in week 12, which means we are in chapter 12, and uh, I love Robin's vote of confidence, but this is an incredibly dense chapter. As you will see, it is very content rich. And so as we go into this chapter, I've asked if we could do something a little bit different. Uh, I've asked my friend Dom if he would come up and he would do a scripture reading through a portion of 1 Corinthians 12. And here's the deal. As As he prepares to do this, we'll have some music playing behind him, but lean into this moment because I believe God's word doesn't return void and that even as we do something as simple as listen to scripture read aloud on a Sunday, that if you let him, the spirit of God will speak to you in this moment. So if you don't have kids in kids' church, silence your phones, turn them off, grab uh, some paper, grab a pen, be ready to write something down or just be attentive to what he might say to you in this moment. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, take it away, Dom. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many different parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. 
This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Come on. To so now, yeah, come on. It's incredible. To synopsize this conversation, to title this sermon, we're simply calling it The Gift. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for just even that portion of scripture that Dom read out. I, I believe that, that even in that simplicity, you're already speaking, you're already here, but I pray that you would, you would continue to do just that. You would, you would use this sermon to speak to us today. We don't need a TED Talk. We don't need a good teaching. We really need to hear from you. That's, that's why we're here. So help me in that. Help me to get myself out of the way, to get the insecurity, to get the arrogance out of the way. We don't want that today, but help us all to be receptive to what you're speaking and how you would convict us today. We love you. We thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, I don't know about you, but I could listen to Dom orate the, the, the Bible all day long for like another 30 minutes. That was incredible. Well done, sir. Uh, well, a couple of weeks ago, I was chatting with Pastor Tim about which chapter I could potentially take in this series. And for some reason, I felt compelled to take chapter 12. Man, what was I thinking? Oh man, guys, this has been, uh, there, there's, there's so much study that has gone into this. This is such a, a dense portion of scripture. It's actually where we get a quarter of our pneumatology, which is the study of the Holy Spirit. So there is so much to unpack here. And true story, my buddy Dylan actually sent me a commentary by a brilliant communicator who deep dived through this portion of scripture and he went verse by verse. And I kid you not when I say that it was five hours worth of content. So we're going to take a brief intermission at the two and a half hour mark. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're, we're not that type of church. But I do joke about that to say this, that there is, is so, there's so much to unpack here that we just simply do not have time to go through every verse. We don't have time to go through every single gift of the Spirit. And while this is not my intent for this sermon, I do hope that at the conclusion of our time together that there is a little bit of holy dissatisfaction, that there's something inside of you that says, man, I want to go a little bit further than we could on a Sunday. I want to dive a little bit deeper into this text. I want to ask some questions maybe in prayer or in group because you're hungry for what God is going to do in your life. Amen? So my goal, my aim, my hope today is that at the conclusion of our time that we would know this, that we all have gifts and that God wants us to use them for his purpose. We all have gifts and God wants us to use them for his purpose. And uh, as we go into chapter 12, there is some context that we need to better understand this chapter. First and foremost is that Paul is writing to a community of believers that are already operating in the gifts. They're already doing it. And so he does not make mention of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Typically when we talk about pneumatology, we reference the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But because Paul doesn't do that here, we're not going to do that today. Day. However, if you are interested in this topic, a couple of months ago, you might remember we were in a series called The Ghost, and Pastor Tim preached an awesome sermon entitled The Baptism of the Holy Spirit. You might remember the pickling illustration. It was great. I loved it. I would highly recommend checking out that sermon if you want some more information on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But again, Paul is communicating and writing to a group of believers that are operating in the gifts. But in their operation, there is a bit of dysfunction. There's some tension at play. 
play. You have slaves and you have free men. You have Jews and you have Gentiles. And they have begun to sort of create these hierarchies with the gifts about which gifts are quote-unquote greater and which gifts are quote-unquote lesser. And so the Apostle Paul is, is writing to them with the intent to sort of recalibrate their perspective and understanding about the gifts. And he primarily does this through the brilliant illustration of the body. He likens the church to the body of Christ, that just as there are many members of the church, so there are many parts of the body. And just as every part of the body has a particular function, so it is with every single member of the church. And we're going to primarily be extrapolating on, on this content, on this illustration. But before we can do that, there is an underlying principle that we need to understand, that we need to accept before we can move forward. And it is this, is you have a gift. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you have a gift. Come on, with a little more passion, you have a gift. And look, I know that even as I say that, there might be some, some doubt that seeps into the back of your mind of like, well, you don't know my life. You don't really know where I've been. I don't really feel like God could use me in that way. Well, look, I can stand on this stage confidently today and assert to you that you have a gift because your gift has nothing to do with your capability. Check out the word that Paul uses in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 here. It's this word, and I'm gonna butcher it in advance, I apologize. Charisma. <clears throat> Can't do it. It's where we get the word charisma. You can take my word for it. And here's what this word means. It is a favor with which one receives without any merit of their own. So your gift is in fact a gift. It is not something you earn. It's not something you strive for. It is something that you are divinely enabled to do for the sake of the gospel and to give God glory. Some of these gifts include the gift of discernment, which is to bring clarity and correction to false teaching, or the gift of serving, which is to be able to see a need and then to be empowered to meet that need, or how about the gift of wisdom, which is to bring divine perspective to a situation, or maybe you're here and you have the gift of encouragement. We love the gift of encouragement around here. That's to be that external voice that speaks life, or maybe you have the gift of faith, which is this resolute thing inside of you that says, I'm going to believe despite what I'm seeing. I'm going I'm to believe despite the diagnosis. I'm going to believe despite the circumstance. Or maybe you're here and you have the gift of giving, which is to have an eternal perspective of your resources and to channel that in a way that displays God's generosity. And look, I know I just threw a bunch of the gifts out at you. Uh, would you believe that this is not even all of them? It's why we do not have enough time today to go through every single gift. But if you're here and you're like, man, I'm curious to know what are all the gifts available? I'm glad you asked. We have a resource for you. On our app, you can go to the resources tab and there is a list of the gifts of the spirit with some scripture references. You can find those there if you're interested. But I do not know your specific gift. I do not know what role you have, the function that God has given you. But here's what I do know, is that this is how God has constructed the church, that we all have a part to play, that we all have a role, we all have a function, we all have a gift that we are meant to operate in. So I can channel my inner Oprah today and say, you have a gift, you have a gift, you have a gift. Everybody has a gift. But if I'm being honest, if I'm looking around our church, if I'm taking some self-inventory, I have to wonder, are we fully utilizing the gifts that have been made available to us? Or are we, like the Corinthians, maybe lacking in some understanding about this topic? 
See, this is such an important thing to get right. Paul actually starts 1 Corinthians 12 by saying, guys, guys, I don't want you to misunderstand about the gifts. Some translations say, I don't want you to remain ignorant. So our operation and our utilization of the gifts is incredibly important. And while we're not going into every single individual gift, I do believe that there are three principles that we can extrapolate from this text that will help us operate and utilize the gifts. Amen? The first one is this, is we use the gift in service. Check out what Paul writes here in verse seven. He says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can what? So that we can help each other. Hey, is anybody here lacking direction in your life? You know what could help with that is the gift of prophecy. Is anybody here navigating a difficult season or situation? Man, the gift of wisdom can be of service there. Is anybody sick in their body today? Man, let's gather around them. Let's lay hands on them. Let's contend for a gift of healing. Did anybody walk in today with a spirit of heaviness or a spirit of depression? Man, get around somebody with the gift of encouragement and watch what happens. Our gift is not to further our own identity, our own standing, our own prowess. Our gift is first and foremost intended to be of service to the body. And there's this moment in Acts chapter 8 where we actually see the opposite of this, and then we see it corrected. We're introduced to this guy by the name of Simon, and Simon was a sorcerer from Samaria. Simon the sorcerer from Samaria. That's a Michael Scott name association right there. But Simon was this sorcerer from Samaria, and he had convinced a lot of people that he was super great, he could do some cool things, uh, until this guy by the name of Philip shows up to town. And Philip, he was a believer. He operated in the gift of miracles, which was really exciting. It drew a lot of people to him. People were confessing Jesus as Lord left and right, and Simon was apparently a part of that number. And they start traveling together until they encounter Peter and John in verse 17. Look at what happens. It says, then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You have no part in this for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. Oof. Shots fired, Peter. Look, Simon did not want the gift to be of service. He wanted the gift to further his own power, his own wealth, and his own influence. And Peter makes it very clear to us that that is not what this is about. Look, hasn't God been generous with us? Hasn't he been generous in giving us these gifts? So why would we not look for every single opportunity? Why would we not be incredibly liberal with their use? Why would we not look for every single moment where we could be of service to each other? So look, if you're here, man, you're wondering, how do I step into the gift? How do I utilize the gift that God has given me? Ask yourself this question. Where can I be of service? Where can I be of service? Hey, if you're here and you have the gift of teaching, man, we could really utilize you in our kids' ministry teaching our students. Yeah. Amen. If you have the gift of encouragement, man, I could use you on the guest team out front, high-fiving people, encouraging people as they walk into a Sunday morning service. Look, if you're here and you have the gift of faith, man, there's people that come forward at these altars every single week that could really utilize that gift. 
But let's get outside of Sunday for just a moment because your gift is not restrained or confined to the context of a once a week Sunday gathering. Hey, maybe your gift is that you're empowered to share the gospel, to share the testimony with people around you, with friends, family members, coworkers, a student on campus. Maybe your gift is to see and identify the prodigal and to remind them of God's love and his grace and his mercy. Maybe your gift is to be able to see that friend in your circle who's masking the hurt and the pain, but because of the gift, you're able to see past the facade and speak directly to what they're facing. And look, doesn't this make sense that with all the hurt, all the pain, all the trial and the tribulation that we walk through on almost a daily basis, doesn't it make sense that in the same way the body is able to give attention to a part in need that we as believers would have functions and abilities and operations to help each other in our time of need to be able to be of service to one another. Man, it's why your gift matters. And it's the beauty of the church. When we use the gift, we use the gift in service. The second way we use the gift is we use the gift in sync. We use the gift in sync. Let's go back to Paul's illustration for a moment here. It says, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Look, you definitely have a gift and you can be confident in that gift. But in the confidence, there comes this temptation that we find from this passage of scripture to say that I don't need you. Or more clearly, I don't need the body. It's this thing in us that says, no, I, I'm good. I got, uh, it's, it's me, Jesus, and my gift. We're good. I don't, I don't need the church. I don't need the gathering. I don't need the ecclesia. I'm good on my own. And yet, in that isolation, there is some potential danger. Even borrowing from Paul's illustration here, right? How can a hand function on its own? How can a foot function by itself? How can an eye function apart from the body? But some more practical examples of this look like the gift of teaching without the gift of discernment. Oftentimes, this can lead to some very faulty theology. Or how about the gift of evangelism without the gift of administration or the gift of leadership? Man, we've seen that lead to a lack of discipleship. Or how about the gift of tongues without the gift of the interpretation of tongues? Man, Paul reminds us that oftentimes this creates distraction in the body. I remember this moment at a different church years ago where this woman, she, uh, she walked up to our lead pastor with all these various tools and uh, accessories and she started assembling them into the form of flags, flags that you wave around. And uh, she turned to our lead pastor and very confidently and proudly said, I have a flag ministry, where do you want me? And our pastor, yeah, our pastor was just the wit of a blade, man. He uh, immediately turned to her and said, probably at a different church. The gift of mercy was not his, not his strong point. But look, could God have used a flag ministry? Absolutely, absolutely he could have. But was it the wrong moment at the wrong time in the wrong context? Yes, it was, because while a flag ministry might have blessed a, a handful of people, the majority of the body would have found it incredibly distracting. So here's the ultimate point here, is that you can be confident in the gift that God has given you, and you can be attempting to use that gift in service, and yet, at the same time, be out of sync with what the body is trying to accomplish. 
So how do we remain in sync? How do we assure ourselves that we don't get out of sync with the body? Well, I actually think it is the inverse of Paul's warning here. I think we need to have something on the inside of us that recognizes I need you. More specifically, I need the body. Look at uh, what Proverbs 27, 17 says, very popular portion of scripture. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of Jesus's return is drawing near. How do we remain in sync? Well, I think we need to ask ourselves this question. Who's sharpening me? Who around me is encouraging me? Who's reminding me of the gift that God has given me? Who's helping me find clarity in a difficult situation? Who's encouraging me and holding me accountable? Who's bringing some much needed correction in the correct moment? Man, who is sharpening me? And look, this is why we advocate for groups so often around here is because everything I just mentioned can be found in that small weekly gathering of believers. The discipleship that you desperately need is found there. So if you're here and you're wondering, man, how do I stay in sync with the body, but you're not in a group, let this be a very gentle reminder to you today that at the end of this service, you can go find a group and you can remain in sync with the body. But here's the deal. The body, you don't just need the body, the body actually needs you. Because let me remind you for a moment that the high call in your life is to not fill a chair on a Sunday morning. There are operations and things that people outside of this wall need. They need to see a whole and functioning body. And look, will God build his church? Absolutely he will. But the primary vehicle that he has chosen to do that is me, it's you, it's us. It is the collective body. And look, the body can still lay hold of something with one hand. But can you imagine what it can lay hold of with two? The body can still see with one eye, but can you imagine the scope of vision that is available when it has two? Look, the church can still accomplish the mission without you, but man, can't you see the potential that it has when you say, I'm no longer content with sitting on the sidelines. I'm no longer content with being a spectator. I have to use the gift. I have to step up and use the gift that God has given me. Man, every single gift is incredibly important and vital. I remember this moment when I was 16, I woke up one morning with intense abdominal pain and uh, it was actually so bad that I couldn't walk. And so my mom took me to the hospital, uh, they ran some tests and they determined that I had appendicitis. And luckily it wasn't too bad, but it was going to require surgery. And I remember my mom having a conversation with the doctor. She was asking him a bunch of great questions like, is this going to impact David's long-term health? How important is the appendix to his body? And I'll never forget what the doctor said. And this was the, the popular thought at the time. He said that a couple centuries ago, the appendix had served a pretty vital function in the body. But because of the natural progression and the change in the human diet, over time and over transition, the appendix slowly but surely lost its function to the point of becoming obsolete. So they could remove it from the body and it would bear no consequence. It would have no impact on the greater part of the body. And as I was preparing for this sermon and, and, and praying about this, I just felt like there were maybe some people here where you kind of identify with an appendix in the spirit, where maybe at one point you felt like you served a purpose or that you had a function, but because of some time and some transition, 
you now find yourself in a place where you feel obsolete. You feel like you no longer have a purpose in the body. And I just feel like the Holy Spirit would come to you in this moment and remind you that God has put every single part just where he intended, that you are not useless, you are not obsolete, that there is a function that you have that we desperately need. Look, the body still has need of you. You still have a purpose. You still have a gift if you are willing to lay hold of it today. And look, fun fact, I went back and did some research on this to make sure that 16-year-old David remembered this correctly. And I found out that in recent years, they have determined that the appendix does have a function, that it actually detains toxins from spreading into the body. And I can't think of a better illustration for the gift of discernment than that. So my point with all this is to say that you need the body and the body needs you. You need the body for clarity, for accountability, for encouragement, and the body needs you to function in your gift. Don't settle today for being a spectator. There is more that you're called to, amen? Amen. When we use the gift, we use the gift in service, we use the gift in sync, and lastly, we use the gift in surrender. I arguably could have started with this one, but I actually chose to end with it because I believe that this principle here is the predominant thing that holds us back from operating in the gift. Let's look at Paul's illustration one more time. In verse 14, it says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. The foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I am not a hand. That does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? The whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? I think what Paul is addressing here in this portion of the illustration is pride. And at first glance, when I read through this, I had assumed that he was addressing arrogance. But in reading through it again and again, I believe that the portion of pride that Paul is addressing here is insecurity. See, arrogance might be the opposite of insecurity, but both of these things are pride. Arrogance says, I don't need God. Insecurity says, God can't use me. Both of those are pride because they elevate the individual over God's intent. And I think if we're honest with ourselves today, a lot of what holds us back is in fact insecurity. Maybe you've had this thought where you have a gift, but you see somebody with a different gift and man, God is, God is really using them. They're crushing it over there. And so you, you take inventory, you look at your gift, but you see their gift. And so you start comparing and you say, man, my gift doesn't look like their gift. So I don't really know if God could use me. I don't really know if God wants to use me. Or maybe you see somebody with a similar gift to you, but they're a little bit further along, maybe a little bit more mature, maybe a little bit more excellent in the practice of that gift. And so you disqualify yourself. You say, man, they're already over there. They're already crushing it in that gift. Why would God want to use me? And again, if we're honest with ourselves, I think what holds us back is not a lack of desire to operate in the gifts, but the inherent insecurity and discomfort in their operation. So how do we navigate this? How do we navigate the discomfort? How do we navigate the insecurity? Well, I believe it is dependent on our capacity to surrender. A little bit about me. Uh, I am a incredibly, deeply introverted 
individual. And I know that even as I say that, some of you scoff and you say, no, you're not. You tell me on the porch sometimes, and it's all in good fun. But to set the record straight, I am, in fact, an incredibly introverted individual. And to take it a step further, there is nothing more uncomfortable to me than being the center of attention. And yes, the irony of this moment is not lost on me. I get it. Part of the reason I married an extroverted wife is because uh, I try to deflect all of the attention that I receive onto her because she's better at navigating all of that. But I remember when pastors Tim and Robin first cast the vision for the church in San Francisco, my wife and I were incredibly comfortable where we were. The living situation was significantly easier and everybody paying rent in San Francisco said amen, right? You know how it is. But the living situation was easier, the work was easier, uh, the small town vibes kind of meshed a little bit better with my introverted tendencies. And yet in that, I felt like God was calling me to surrender the gift of administration in favor of what he might do in a church like San Francisco. To create some systems and some structure and some excellence. So I, I brought this to my wife and we prayed about it and we decided that we were going to surrender our Gifts to surrender our comfortable living situation in favor of moving out and being a part of the church in San Francisco. And man, looking back on the past five years, it has been nothing short of incredible to see all of you here, to see what God is doing in this community, to see who he's bringing, to see what he brought us out of in COVID and where he's taking us. Man, I would not trade this for anything. But surrender is not a one-time deal with God. Because if I can be even a little bit more transparent today, for years, I evaded to the best of my ability doing this, operating in the gift of teaching. And look, I wish I could have some air of humility about the whole thing, but the honest truth is this, is that I was uncomfortable and insecure. Uncomfortable because, as I've already explained, I don't like attention, and insecure because we already have so many amazing communicators around here. Why would God want to use me? So when the Holy Spirit would come and get in worship and prayer in the word and, and, and give me sermon ideas and illustrations, I'd be like, no, 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 no. You meant to give those to Pastor Tim. He's over there somewhere. Uh, those aren't for me. And I would do my best to, to push aside the voice of the Holy Spirit prompting me to, to step into this gift. And I remember uh, it was almost a year ago where Pastor Tim was preaching on the parable of the talents. If you've never heard this parable, there's three guys. God entrusts each of them with something. Two of the guys invest in what God has entrusted them with, but the last guy buries what he's been entrusted with, and the Lord rebukes him. And in the the midst of this teaching, I remember so clearly the Holy Spirit coming to me and saying, hey, are you going to be the servant that buries what I've entrusted you with? And man, right then and there, I knew I needed to surrender the ego. I needed to surrender the discomfort. I needed to surrender the insecurity in order to lay hold of the gift that God had put in front of me. In order to be of service to the church, in order to be in sync with what he was doing, it required surrender. And look, on the other side of surrender is provision. When I surrendered my life at 17 years old, God took an antisocial, uncaring introvert and turned me into somebody who would build his kingdom. When my wife and I, we surrendered our comfortable living situation in favor of what God might do, man, there was provision after provision after we moved to the most ex- one of the most expensive cities in the world. And look, when I finally got over my own ego and I surrendered my pride and my insecurity and my discomfort, there was an authority to communicate 
made and to present the gospel in a way that I have never experienced before. On the other side of surrender is everything that you need to step into the gift that God has for you today. So what does this look like? What does the act of surrender look like? Well, I think there is a brilliant picture of it in Romans chapter 12, at the beginning of Romans chapter 12. And with that, I'll invite the band to come up as we prepare to conclude. Romans 12 is the other significant portion of scripture about the gifts of the Spirit. And Paul opens that chapter with this line. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. It's this image of somebody coming to the altar and saying, I'm going to willingly put myself up there. I'm going to willingly sacrifice maybe the plans that I had. I'm gonna sacrifice the dreams that I had. I'm gonna sacrifice the money. I'm gonna sacrifice the, the pride. I'm gonna sacrifice the insecurity in favor of what that sacrifice is going to mean on the other side of eternity, in favor of how God is going to use it. It's really coming to this place of recognizing that it's not about me, not about you, it's not about us, it's about what God wants to do through us. So ask yourself this one last very important question. What do I need to surrender? What are those things in your life that are holding you back from laying hands on somebody and declaring healing? What are those things in your life that are holding you back from sharing the gospel with somebody? What are those things in your life that are holding you back from saying, hey, I'm gonna step up and lead a group and disciple some people? What are those things in your life that are holding you back from saying, hey, I'm gonna serve at my church? What are those things in your life that are holding you back from giving? Because on the other side of surrendering those things is everything that you need to operate in your gift. When we use the gift, we use the gift in service, in sync, and in surrender. Amen? Come on, let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for speaking and communicating. And even now, your, your spirit is convicting as, as is needed. And I pray for every single person in this room that maybe you're here and you're still wondering, you're, there's still some questions about what the gift is or what your specific gift is and how to navigate that and how to find that. And I pray that even right now in this moment that God's spirit is faithful, that he's gonna speak to you. That even as you go home this week, maybe you look at the list or maybe you open your Bible and start reading scripture, that he's going to be faithful to reveal those gifts to you because this is so important. His church operating healthy and whole is more important to him than it is to us. And if you're here and you, you would say that I identify as an appendix in the spirit, maybe because of transition or season, but you, you've, you've felt like you've been excluded from the body, that there is not a place for you, that there's not a gift for you. Man, I pray that if there was any pain in that transition, in that time away, that there would be restoration right now in the spirit, that God would come and he would bring healing and peace to you. And that in that, there would be a grace and an authority to stir up the gift once again and to step into that by his will of, for his gospel, for his glory. And lastly, if you're here today and you would actually say that, man, I, I came and I'm not a part of the body, I'm actually pretty distant. 
I would say that the gift that you need today is not a gift of the Spirit. It's actually much more significant. It's actually greater. It's the gift of salvation and what you need to surrender today is your life. And if there's this thing inside of you where you feel God's grace and His love and His mercy drawing you, man, I just wanna remind you for a moment, I wanna preach to you for 30 seconds, that the reason why the church needs to operate in the gift is to give you a clear depiction of His love and His grace and His mercy, of how much He gave for you to just simply be in relationship with you today. And if that's you, we're gonna say a prayer at the conclusion of this. We're gonna extend an invitation for you to accept Jesus into your life. And before we do that, I just wanna invite you and ask you that. We're gonna pray this as a, as a community, as a, a body, as, as believers. But before we do, if you wouldn't mind just lifting your hand and making eye contact with me so we know who we're praying for today, if that's you, if God is drawing you back. Come on, right there, I see you. Awesome, awesome. Right there, come on, right there, bro, I see you. Right there, awesome, welcome home. Welcome home. Come on. Is there anyone else? Right there. I got you. Thank you. Thank you for belaboring. Come on. <laughs> this is why we do church. This is why we operate in the gifts for this moment right here. Come on, as one body, as one church, let's repeat this prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died and rose again. And today, I'm making a decision to follow you. Help me to be your disciple and to grow in grace until I meet you in eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we celebrate with those who made that decision, the four or five of you? Come on. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we wanna pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.